The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Hundred and twenty-third episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz, and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my good buddy and Fred Floyd, friend Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how you doing, dude? I am doing well. Uh, uh, as I'll talk about later, uh, full gear tickets. Pre-sale was today. I got fourth row. I, I, I'm going to give all the credit to Tiffany because I was never a floor guy before. I always got tried to get in the hundreds. <laughs> I, I just wasn't a floor guy, and she got me first row to the show. And now it, it, it uh, caused my addiction, and I've had some great seat luck. I got fourth row. Our frequent collaborator, JR, got second row. And so, yeah, we're just going to be at the show. We're going to be having a good time. Full gear in Minnesota. I didn't think, like, it sold surprisingly well today. Uh, Like I said, I'll talk about it more later. But it did sell surprisingly well today, considering I don't consider, like, Minneapolis, you know, like this destination city. Yeah, I think it's just because, like I said, like like people have said, Full Gear is one of those top pay-per-views that AEW has. And at the same time, too, I think there's a bit of hope that by the time Full Gear comes around, I think a lot of people want Adam Page to come back. So if Hangman comes back for Full Gear, since, I mean, it is the pay-per-view named after uh, the joke that was running with him on being the elite, I think that would be a big reason as to why it sold very well. Plus, AEW has just been really good recently. I mean, I mean, CM Punk's always going to be hot in the Midwest. Which, My boy. Yeah, uh, so Minneapolis is still that area. Brian Danielson coming back off that hot Kenny Omega match. I imagine some people think that they might do the match again. I mean, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of reasons to go. You know, to the AEW show, it's just, like I said, Minneapolis. Like, I'm really excited about going to the Mall of America. I don't know how many other people are excited about that uh, as far as, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going because of the Mall of America. And then I have some people, like, some people that have been to every show that are like, yeah, I'm going, I'm out on this one. And I know how people have lives, but I feel like, like, the last full gear 
that wasn't in Jacksonville was in Baltimore. And I mean, it ended up, I think getting like close, if not selling out, but because it's Baltimore and it's not really a destination town, it didn't sell out as fast as Chicago or uh, yeah, uh, Chicago. I guess all the other pay per views have been like in Chicago, <laughs> or, or, <laughs> or, yeah, or, or the Jacksonville show, yeah, for, like, yeah. or nothing. Yeah, because I remember the first. Yeah, it's, it was Vegas in Chicago, so it's almost not even fair to put Minneapolis on that area because it's Vegas and Chicago. You know, that's just not fair. But yeah, but. Anyways, um, I will um, I will just give a little nod of like what's going on with me since we tend to do like little updates. So Floyd got floor seats for uh, full gear, which is awesome. I will not be there because uh, I've been very busy, busy with work. However, I did get um, Floyd. Are you familiar with ESPN NFL 2K5? Yes, I am familiar with it. That, that is the best the best football game ever created. I got that working on my PC and got it to work with updated rosters. Now, the rosters basically mean like they take the characters, the the, the players from Madden and take their stats from Madden and then just place it in 2K5. But oh my god, it's so much fun. I'm currently running a Lions franchise mode and it's been a fucking blast playing that game again. Well, I don't cheat on Madden. I don't. I don't do it. I, I, you should because it's a piece of shit. Madden is the best game series ever invented, and the best Madden is whatever Madden's coming next. Uh, so that's how I am. I drink the Kool Aid. I am a WWE. I mean, you know how people say they call them Vincels. I am a Madden cell. Uh, it's all about Madden. It's the only game I play. Playing it right now. <laughs> I'm not like right now while I'm on the phone, but you know, often right now. And yeah, I even made the lines good, which is a miracle because they're the there lines. There you go. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. But with that out of the way, we got a lot to talk about with AEW on this week's episode of All Things Elite because it was Grand Slam week. So we had four smackdown related episodes no, that's a weird thing that i actually pulled out i was just gonna say slamming i don't know why i went with smackdown we had yeah four cra- yeah we got four crazy hours of wrestling with aew this week with grand slam we're gonna get to all of that but before we get into everything i want to make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on google or apple Podcasts. if you listen to us on spotify or any other podcasting platform give us a share with your friends family coworkers, whoever you wish And you can also leave a rating and review. Let us know how we're doing. And you can leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle, if you're so inclined. We would really appreciate that. Easiest way to support us is on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter, at Social Suplex. Those are the guys that make this show possible. And they have a ton of other shows you should absolutely check out on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Now, the big news of the week, honestly, I would say is, first, of course, with tickets going on sale with uh, Full Gear. But I would also say, Floyd, it's big news for your boy because we're recording this the Tuesday before Dynamite. Tomorrow is the debut of Roads to the Top on TNT. All right, uh, so I can use this moment to announce with Roads to the Top debuting tomorrow and next week, starting next week, we're going to have a weekly segment where Tiffany reviews everything that happens on Roads to the Top because we are all 
things leak. Now, I do want to let you know about this. I personally don't plan on watching the show. That is why I have outsourced this for it. Uh, it's one of those weird things where I hate reality TV, like all of it. And I tend, I, t- I definitely tend to stay away from wrestling reality TV because after watching reality TV, I generally hate the people that are being covered in reality TV. And you know how I feel about my Cody. I love them. So I am going to do the best thing for my fandom and not watch the show. But that's all just right. me. That's just me. Someone's like, uh, I, I had some parents like, well, you love AEW, you love Cody. And I'm like, yes. I also love Emeril Lagasse. And if I went to see Emeril Lagasse at the re- uh, restaurant, he said, Floyd, all I have to serve for you is liver. I'm going to say, you know what, Emeril Lagasse, I'm going to go ahead and pass. And I'm going to go eat some McDonald's <laughs> or something. Because I don't like liver. And I don't care what you do to it in your Emeril Lagasse way. I'm not going to like liver. That's kind of... That's my comparison or analogy for reality TV. As much as I love AEW and I love Cody and I love Brandy and I want them to be super successful and I want this to be the highest rated show in the hour. Yeah, all I'm going to do is DVR it. My wife may watch it, but I am going to support the show as much as I can without ever, you know, watching it. Well, I, I'm actually so I've, I've been exposed to the wrestling reality tv shows at least a majority of them so like i've seen at least a couple episodes of total divas i've seen a little bit of ms and mrs i've seen a little bit of total bellas um and i don't like any of them if that makes any sense um so i will still be watching the debut of roads to the top mainly because i hope that there's a little bit more focus on their lives in wrestling as opposed to their lives outside of wrestling besides like their kid and everything like that um and if there's not much like that then like i'll i'll tune out of it but again i look at this as this way is that tnt has absolutely bought into aew as a brand aew as a product and especially turner has bought into Cody being one of their biggest stars with him being on the TBS Go Big Show and with him being having his own show with Brandy uh, on this. it's I mean, it's Brandy and, and uh, Cody's show. So I yeah. see this as a win for AEW, but for people who don't like reality TV, I think it's fair to say you could probably skip this. And if you already didn't like Cody, you sure as hell weren't going to watch this anyway. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that's my whole thing. It's going to work one way or another. It's either going to make everybody love Cody or further hate Cody. Which we'll get to the hate of Cody soon. (laughs) Yes, but uh, I just like, I I mean, like I said, watch the show if you're into that kind of thing. It's not my thing personally. Honestly, I can see this happening. Like, I'll be watching the show and the show will end and I won't have anything to turn it on and it'll just keep playing and I'll end up watching some of it. I'm not I'm like I'm not just like, oh my God, I'm gonna make sure my town is turned as soon as it's over. It's just it's really like not my thing. It's just a type of TV I don't enjoy. I like some of my friends don't like wrestling. I get it because there's certain types of TV I don't enjoy, but we're gonna have Tiffany the ace, the Cody, uh, the number one Cody fan, the number one Brandy fan. She loves that family more than I think she loves air. So she's going to be going through, breaking down what happens on the show. So maybe it'll make you want to watch the show more. Maybe it'll make you not want to watch the show. But whatever, you will hear it covered here on All Things Elite. 
And if you want a decent uh, reality TV show to watch, I may I suggest uh, the one the one off Bachelor season. Listen to your heart. It's not as filled with drama and bullshit as the rest of the seasons of the Brat, of the Bachelor or Bachelorette. And plus, all of them are pretty good singers. So if you want to watch a music related Bachelor show, you, you, I recommend that as like the one or one and only like okay reality TV show. Or you can watch my favorite uh, reality show, Football. <laughs> you know what that works or you what what's the what's the hard hard knocks you can watch hard knocks oh yeah that's a good one too but yes yes, yes if if uh the, the grown men are playing with balls i'm watching it <laughs> okay with that being said let's get to day one of aew grand slam week and it's aew dynamite taking place at the sold out arthur ash stadium in queens new york we kick things off with the dream match that everybody was salivating for. The AEW World Champion Kenny Omega going one-on-one with the American Dragon Brian Danielson. And I may honest to God say, this was one of the first times I've seen a crowd pop, like, pop so loud for a lockup. That alone just tells you how much hype was behind this match because this was one of those matches that people would always fantasize of but i think people were just convinced that we wouldn't see it but now with AEW and with brian danielson being all elite we we did see it and i think it's fair to say um for a lot of people i know floyd tweeted this out and i also very much agree with him this was probably the dynamite match of the year and possibly a match of the year candidate just in general with wrestling. These guys went at it for 30 minutes. They upped the time limit for this match from the usual 20 minute time limit to a 30 minute time limit. And it still went to a time limit draw. There was a bunch of shenanigans after the match was over um, where the super click came in. They tried to get Danielson out and Omega separated. They super kicked him. Then Christian Cage and Jurassic Express came down. They separated everything. So that led into some other stuff, which we'll talk about later. But the match itself, these guys went at it for 30 minutes. And I mean, we pr- Floyd predicted a time limit draw. He got it right. And I was kind of thinking that's probably the route they're going, but I wanted to choose a definitive winner. But you know what? I mean, it makes it makes all the sense in the world. These two are some of the best in AEW, like no question about it. They absolutely did such a great job. The fans were hyped for this match the same level. I compare the hype for this match as to when CM Punk had his first match back in seven and a half years of, be, of being away from pro wrestling. The fans were hyped for every single moment. There was like even rest holds or a lockup they were just going nuts because we just never thought we'd see the day so hell you want to talk about a kickoff to dynamite this was fucking insanity of the way to start off the show like what a what a start yes uh this match was exciting it was one like i i after a week of thinking about it it was to me the best dynamite match. I was live for Pac and Omega, the 30 minute uh, Iron Man match. And I, you know, I, I had a hard time putting this in front of it, but it really was that damn good. How the audience was into it. Uh, if you listen to the show, as you know, I did call a draw from the moment they announced the match. That was my, and they said it was non title. 
That was my gut feeling. It's not something they bring out a lot, but it's that ace that they bring out. But I can honestly say, other than Okada and Omega, this is right there with the best draw I've ever seen. And they did it in a way where it was not this draw where, oh, Daniel Bryan had him at 29 minutes and 54 seconds. And if he just had 10 more seconds, he would have beat him. At 30 minutes, they were staring at each other, standing up in a a dead heat. This match was completely even at 30 minutes. That is brilliant storytelling. It's like, so when Kenny Omega said after the match, as he's walking away, there's not going to be any rematch. And he, uh, that's from, uh, that's, that's from, uh, Rocky, one of the greatest movie series ever. Yes, the best. Yes. So after they said, uh, there ain't going to be no rematch and he walks away and it was just this moment and it's hanging and it truly left you wanting every person I know that watches wrestling has have their own opinion in fantasy booked when this next match should happen, whenever they wrestle again. I don't think it personally, don't think it should be a full gear, but, you know, uh, because I just think you can hold on to that anticipation. It should be a long trek to Brian Danielson finally getting his title shot, maybe at Revolution, but ignore that. This match on its own was a masterpiece, and it's hard to do a masterpiece and it be a draw. This was a masterpiece in work. You saw a little bit of everything. You saw the difference between the Yes movement and the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. You you saw the difference. He wasn't an underdog. He wasn't coming back. He was a, just a badass professional wrestler. And on this night, in a lot of ways, he was better than Kenny Omega. But on this night, in a lot of ways, Kenny was better than him. So it's completely even. It's a stalemate when we get it. And hopefully we get it on pay-per-view with the hour time limit or no time limit. Man, it's going to be a masterpiece. It, it, it was just this. This is the first, like, the first time since Okada and Omega that I've watched a draw and didn't feel like they completely wasted my time. Yeah, and it's that simple. Is that, like, people didn't want this match to end. They didn't want these two to stop wrestling. They would have been happy if it was an hour-long if it was an hour long Iron Man match, or if it had like an hour long time limit, it, they 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 would have been fine if after the show was off the air, we would cut backstage and those two were still going at it, just kicking the shit out of each other and doing V triggers and running bulldogs and all these kinds of things. Like they they wouldn't care if they were just still going at it, and like they would watch these two wrestle all day long. And I think. AEW smart. They know that people want to see this match over and over and over again, and they want they they want to see them do everything they possibly can to use these two guys together. So whether or not we hold off from seeing these two fight again sooner rather than later, or what ra- ra- rather we have Kenny have another AEW World Title uh, defense feud. And then, like, whether he loses it or retains it, and then that's when they decide to have Brian Danielson come back into the fold with Kenny. Or, and, like, if they have other ideas for Brian past Kenny right now, and then we'll bring him back. Like, remember back when Punk talked about how, like, him and Daniel Bryan and WWE should be like Brett and Sean? I think that's kind of what they're looking at with Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega right now. Brett and Sean. Because I can 100% see that between these two. Just 
You keep them apart. When you need them to come together, they can put together like two months of television and it'll always be good and it'll always be entertaining. So I, I think that's 100% the mindset you can take with these two. But speaking of my boy Punk, right after this match, he speaks on AEW Dynamite uh, leading into his match that he's having at Rampage, which would be his first TV match in over seven years. Straight up, he says, I'm glad I'm not working Dynamite because how the hell do you follow that match? He speaks of how it's been a long time since he's been in New York City, and it's also been an even longer time since professional wrestling has been in New York City. And he talks about how people are saying, I should be mad. I need to be pissed off. We want the old CM Punk back. And his response was simply, be careful what you wish for. Hobbs, Taz made the joke that like half of these guys are from here and they don't even like you. And said, y'all tricked me. Hobbs jumped me from behind. They tried to put me through a table. And it pissed me off. But when I come out and when my music hits and I step out onto that stage, I can't help feeling the way I feel. That pissed off feeling goes away. And yes, it's a love fest. And it's very happy to be back in loving this. And I think what they attempted to do was take this all away from me. They don't want to hear cult of personality. They don't want happy CM Punk enjoying the fans. And then he gets mad because it's been a long time since he's felt this and that he needed this. And he screamed, nobody is taking this away from me. This is mine once again. And he said, y'all should have finished the job. You should have put me through that table. You made a mistake. You let me live. And it's not my fault you slept on the legend of CM Punk. It's not my job to wake you up. It's my job to tuck, tuck you in. Rampage, Powerhouse Hobbs goes to sleep. Great fucking promo. Such a good promo. I mean, it just... The way that he has you, like, leading, like, on every word. It's like it's like how I mentioned a lot of Cody's best promos. Like, you, you run on every word he says. You're just leaning on it, and you're, like, just following him along of where he's taking you in this promo, because... He talks about how like he needs to be mad and everyone's kind of like that's like it's a, it's a basic way of starting off. It's like you want the old CM Punk back and then it just leads into how like but I, I can't help but smile when I come out here because it's it's so great to be out here. And like, of course, we all know Punk normally with his promos is a lot. I think he's a lot more comfortable being a heel as opposed to a babyface just because like heel CM Punk is like vicious. It's like so fucking good. Um, I know a lot of people said that if Punk came back, the first thing he should do is turn heel after the ovation. And I understand that. But the way that Punk can still lure you in just by being emphatically in love with pro wrestling. And I think that's the thing. It's like you see a guy who loves pro wrestling after hating it for seven years. And it's just he makes it a great story. I hate I didn't like wrestling for so long. It's been so long since I like ate and breathed pro wrestling and I have it back and they're trying to take it away from me. It's perfect because he said, I'm not getting this taken away from me again. And it was a great way to build up to the powerhouse Hobbs match, which we'll talk about later in the show. And that's all you need. Like punk talk people talks people into wanting to see that. Cause again, people, when they saw team Taz getting brought in, except for hook, it seems like everyone bought in immediately to punk versus hook, which actually I, I love. But with all the other members of team Taz, people were kind of like, eh, should this really be what punk's doing post Darby Allen? 
he sells it right then and there just from the response of what happened last week. So, I mean, fucking A-plus job. Again, I can't, I can't say anything bad about this. Punk killed it tonight. All right. I'm just going to say, hey, does anyone else listening to the show get a very Floyd talking about Cody feeling when uh, Austin talks about uh, CM Punk? I hope uh, that I get that across because it's the exact uh, same uh, mindset. It's, so, that or, it's either that or you talking about FTR. All right. So I am going to say I have literally nothing to add on this segment, so we can go to the next one. I think, that we, I think you covered it pretty well, sir. I do, I do my best when it comes to the best in the world. Up next, we had MJF facing off against Brian Pillman Jr., and this match was very good. MJF was doing great heel work leading into this Brian Pillman Jr. match, and it put Brian in a really good spot just to have a great singles match because while him and Griff Garrison as the Varsity Blondes has been very has been good, I've really enjoyed them. Um, it was nice to see Pillman actually uh, do some singles wrestling um, on on Dynamite in such a big crowd. Um, this was a really, really good match. Um, Pillman was just played a really great, like, like good, like this was a this was a the underdog babyface character role with MJF just being a complete dick, and MJF uh, was almost knocked out uh, with a drop with a drop kick uh, on the back. Um, in the MJF would then quickly counter into the salt the earth armbar. Um, this was a good match, honestly. I, I think it's just continuing to build up MJF a little bit after he lost to Chris Jericho. And Pillman got a nice little spot right there, just having this singles match in front of 20,000 people I think is awesome. And I think Varsity Blondes still have a good amount of stuff with the tag team division, I think, going down the road. Especially if um, we get eventually a heel tag team to hold the tag team title belts that aren't the Young Bucks. I think they could... They could do some good stuff in the tag division, but it was nice to see Pillman have this small little feud with MJF because it was genuinely really good. All right. Well, uh, Brian Pillman needs some offense. Brian Pillman Jr. needs some offense of his own. Like, all his best offense is him doing his dad's moves, which is great, but he needs to define who he is as a wrestler. He has the dad look. He has the dad war, you know, the wardrobe, and it was just, and he does the drop kick and the air pillman and all that stuff, and it's it's a great tribute to his dad. I'm, but he needs to make something that is uniquely him because he's a bigger guy than his dad. He's more, he's like got more weight on him, more mass on him than his dad. So he can add some things that are uniquely him. I I I I feel like you answered the question about the match, so all I can do at this point is critique because I think you covered the match well. Uh, and that's kind of what I mean for you too, because I think you you tend to pick up on some of the smaller things too, which I think you're 100 percent right. It's like we, there's always a comparison with like when when wrestlers' kids get in, like how much should they take from their from their from their from their parents and their the, their family members who were in the business, how much should they take and add from them and to add to themselves and how much of their own should they make? Like Charlotte Flair, we literally have Braun Breaker on NXT 2.0 who's a Steiner, like getting his name changed from being a Steiner to, t- to like move away from that even though he has the he has the outfit like a Steiner. It, he wrestles like his dad, he promos like his uncle. Yes. It, it's, so it's, 
Yeah. So it's always the question of like how much should you take from your family members and how much should you try to make your own? Like Yeah, yeah but in the end when he does that press slam power slam, that's his move. I mean, yeah. he he took it from you know Goldberg was the first person I saw, but it's still his move. He it's his unique finisher. It is Braun's move, right? It is what makes Braun uniquely Braun. I don't know what makes Brian Pillman Jr. a uniquely Brian Pillman Jr. He just seems like a tribute act to his dad. And this is not offense. This is not a, saying anything about his personality. He's always nice. He's, I think he has a lot of energy. I think he can cut a decent promo. It's just, why are you you? I know why I liked your dad. Why am I supposed to like you? And I don't think it came through in this match as much as he would probably want it to. Sure. And I think also leading into um, sticking this with AEW too, I think we need to make sure – we hope that the same issues – like, and not even necessarily issues, but I think like we – we still have also have Brock Anderson in AEW as well. And it's like, again, like finding out who these people are themselves as opposed to who they're related to, I think is going to be a big thing for them to connect with the audience more than they normally can. Because people will connect with them if they're rela- like if they're related to people that they love. But we still need to like you too. So like show us who you are, I think, is what we're trying to get across with this. Absolutely. And it's not offensive. It's more of a, hey – this is what I want to see in the future because the Brian Pillman tribute act. Great. It's, it's, you know, it's great. And to older people, it'll be nostalgic. But me, I'm always like, what do you bring to the picture? And it's just like, I really don't know what this dude brings to the picture. I, I, I'll use Charlotte as an example. She, she wrestles a way more physical, hard hitting style than her dad. She throws in the chops and a few of it, but she is much more straightforward style. And she has the natural selection, which is her own move. And then she added a little something to the uh, figure four with the figure eight. It's just like, what is what is Brian Pillman Jr.'s figure eight? What is his natural selection? Wh- how are you different? Yeah. We then had a small little backstage segment with Chris Jericho and Jake Hager building up to the Rampage match that they're having against Men of the Year. We'll get to that. There was really not a ton of other stuff that they said uh, besides that they want to smack on, snack on some MMA meatheads, which was a nice little line. But we'll move very quickly in to the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black. Cody's first match back, and I want to say a month and a half, I think, since the first Malachi match. I want to say it was either a month and a half or maybe two months since that match. But we have to mention first, Cody, welcome to New York City. These people do not like you. And I know, Floyd, before we even get into to the match itself, I want to go to Floyd. Thoughts on the hostile crowd in New York City and in, in Queens, New York, and their response to their overwhelmingly supporting Malachi Black and overwhelmingly hating Cody Rhodes. Ungrateful bastards. This is what I got to say <laughs> to all of you. Um, I want to make it clear. I, I, I see it has become cool to boo Cody. It unfortunately has. He He has crossed that line that some faces cross where it just becomes cool to hate you. And it is cool to hate Cody right now. And and Malachi Black, him in the heel role is kind of weird because fans love him. I would say 
they love him as much as they love Dan- uh, like Brian Danielson. You know, in a, in a, I I truly do because he in their eyes was misused in the WWE and. They just want to see him succeed. They don't care if it's at a heel or it's like that emotional, uh, an emotional thing that we used to have. I would say in the eighties and nineties, where you actually hated the heels and you, uh, you know, and love the faces. That's gone, you know, all but gone. I mean, there's only a few that can really make you hate them. MJF being a god level of it. Uh, Kenny Omega to a point, and him and the Young Bucks have done good playing, uh, being and also, heels. And also, if the story's being presented well, and I think also, too, if the story's being presented well, and if the company, if the fans have a lot of trust in the company, um, they're tending to a lot more of the times like go along with like okay we're booing this person we're cheering this person like we're we're being along with the story it's not always the case because the hardcore fans were still boo and cheer who they wanted to boo and cheer but if it's something's really good like they'll go along with what they with what's being presented like the bucks and uh K- Kenny Omega will still get booed if they're facing off against somebody and like it's being presented in a way that may, like the the fans are like oh yeah hell yeah let's get along with this this won't be a category in our end of the year, but if I had to say worst booking of AEW of the year, it has been Cody for the last nine months. I know you you be saying that, yes, and I mean like, but Cody's had a lot of other stuff he's been doing. No, no, absolutely, but I'm just saying it literally has taken one of their big feud guys, a guy that really didn't need a belt to be in a big feud. He took one of their big few guys and have literally kind of wasted nine months of him to me. And to me and to a lot of people, I just like he had this role in the company. And I, I, I'm not talking about having a title. And, you know, I don't care if he wins or loses. You know that about me. I don't care if he wins or loses. I just want him to put on entertaining matches and uh, and, and big feuds. Nothing has felt big this year. Can you agree with that? Not being a Cody fan, That's, I'm trying to run through because so we had the Malachi. I think see it's for me the 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 feud that I remember the most uh, from Cody in the last year has been his feud with Brody. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. That ended before 2021. So this nine months is even as a person not into Cody, they haven't used him very well. And, they, and he might be cycling down because of his other commitments, the baby and all that stuff. But I also think the 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 pregnancy announcement, the gender reveal, all those things made you hate Cody more and more. He got oversaturated and he wasn't doing what Cody does. When is the last memorable good Cody promo? I'm not talking about the America thing that made a whole bunch of people hate him more. I'm talking about that fiery promo that he used to tell when the first company first started. Those fiery promos, you know what I mean, that came from it. It's just that Cody is gone. And this Cody that's being presented, other than me liking Cody, the person, it's kind of sucked. 
and it's right. the and I'm I'm just gonna say the it's kind of the booking. Maybe it's a little performance because this match was not good. Um, there was a lot of just mess messes up. I don't know if it's messing up. I don't know if Cody's. Uh, I don't know if Cody's like a ring rust because he's been doing all the other stuff. It just seemed off. Like the beginning when they were just wrestling was great, but towards the middle and the end, it was just like, it seemed like he got off track. I'm trying to be as neutral as possible when I'm talking about this. I'm just trying to look at it as a fan. Just like, again, I don't need him to win. I didn't need him to win this match. I said he was going to lose this match. But... <laughs> It, it just wasn't done in an entertaining way. At the end of the match, I was left wanting. And the end of the match was when uh, Cody got knocked into Arn Anderson. I did like the character move of Arn being like, don't worry about me, focus on Black. Like, focus on Malachi. And then that's when Cody then goes after Malachi. He gets Black Mist sprayed into his eyes, and then he gets rolled up, and that's the victory. And Cody loses two times now to Malachi Black, which, I mean, like, Hey, to the people saying that Cody always wins, like, that's still not the case. It, it was never the case, and it's, like, still even more not the case. Um, I, you know, I, I, like I said, uh, don't, let, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, I guess. Um, it was never the case, but this match was like, okay. And someone's like, oh, they started seeing some of the heel uh you know like overtones when he pushed the referee and when he was working on the leg and all that kind of stuff and i'm just like i hope this goes somewhere because this seems like the slowest burn in the history of slow burns and we've been through the slow burn of mjf turning on cody yes and this just is just like if this is going somewhere i as a cody fan can't tell where the fuck it's going and it has only done more, which, again, if they're turning him heel, it works, to ignite the hate versus Cody because it's not just his performances. He's booked not well. And I know he's on the booking committee, I guess. It just seems like this is, yeah, it just seems weird to me. It's just seemed to do nothing but cool him off. And like I said, wherever it's going, I wanted to get there fast. If it's going to him taking a go to sleep from CM Punk, let's start that. If it's going to him uh, joining uh, Malachi Black, let's get there. If it's jo- him going just full maniacal, maniacal ho- Homelander face where he's actually a heel but he thinks he's a face, let's get there. But wherever the fuck this is going, let's get there. Yeah, and as... um. With my with my thoughts on the whole thing, I didn't think the match was bad. I just didn't really have a ton of uh, thoughts going with it. Besides, like, like I said, the Arn Anderson moment I thought was good, and I was like, oh, we also got to talk about too, like Brandy rolling into the ring, sitting cross-legged, and flipping, uh, flipping off Malachi Black. And I think you were the one that was told um, she can't. Did she? She came out of the heel tunnel when no, she came yeah, back. Yeah, because I watched it back because I was trying to get. I was trying to get some kind of something from this, you know, (laughs) I was trying to get something from this match. So I watched it back to try to get something. And I noticed Cody comes out the middle. Arn comes out the face side. Brandy comes out the heel side. And somebody was like, so Brandy could get our own heel entrance. But I'm like, no, the tunnels mean something in AEW. Like 
Arn is the angel on his shoulder, and Brandy is the devil on his shoulder. But I, and, I also, I, I had, I had the thought too with her coming out of that tunnel too, and I was like, do you think it's just because hey, she runs heels? Yes, you know maybe. But that middle finger in the middle was a that was heel Brandy. And if you've ever watched Brandy in the matches with Cody, she is a heel. She never plays face. In the Dusted match, she she got physical with Dusted first. You know, just l- you look through it. She is she's a heel. And I mean, she was she had the Nightmare Collective uh, still. Yeah, and Cody didn't know what the hell she was doing. So I'm just like, maybe Brandy is the reason he goes to the dark side. Maybe Arn's the reason he goes to the dark side. Because Arn was a heel 90% of his career. He only has become face because he is loved as a historical figure in wrestling. But that dude was a bad guy his whole career. You know, so um, I want to see where it's going. I just, like I said, I want it to get there. And maybe with the match this week, which we will discuss later, I won't even talk about who's in it. But maybe with the match this week, we get further and closer to an end result. And I am going to be the first to say the end result might not be good. I'm trusting AEW that it would because placing your trust in AEW has been rewarded for the last two years, but I don't know. Yeah. We'll see what happens with Cody. Like I said, like if it's just going to be like, oh, hey, watch my new TV show as he comes out on Dynamite or if we get anything more of a development with him. And we'll see, too, if like as we move from town to town, too, if the booze continue, because like New York is New York, Chicago is Chicago. Those are the towns where we kind of expect like the chipper baby faces to kind of get booed and stuff like that. But if he's getting booed in other cities too, outside of those two big wrestling towns, I think we have cause for like, hmm. there was booze in Jacksonville. I want to, uh, I want to make sure that was clear. I mean, it was 90, 80, 90% cheers, but there were booze in Jacksonville. Are you saying worse? Because by the time that they, uh, were, you found out they were booing, they weren't saying anything because you shut them up. <laughs> well, in my section, I just turned around and stood up and started staring at people. <laughs> They didn't chair, but they didn't boo anymore. <laughs> just imagining Floyd with his red Cody shirt just standing up and just being like like he puts on his best Omos face or whatever and then just starts death staring into people's eyes if they boo Cody. Yes, I think I screamed, we don't do that over here at one point. <laughs> Tiffany as my witness. I I looked at yeah, we don't do that over here. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. I'm I'm using that anytime someone boos CM Punk. We don't do that over here. I'm using that if someone boos CM Punk. That's <laughs> Okay. Moving on to Floyd's other boys, we have FTR in action as they took on Sting and Darby Allen in tag team action. And yeah, uh, Sting and Darby Allen have been having issues with members of the Pinnacle in the past. And uh, he, Dar- Sting's face paint had like the red included back into it too, which I thought was dope. Uh, this was a really good match too. Like FTR, I think, can, is genuinely like any tag team they go up against, they always work well with them and they always make them look incredible. Sting still is looking very strong, very good in the 
limited amount of appearances we're seeing him in with these tag matches with Darby. And like, I think that's the best part too, is that Sting still wrestling into his 60s still is looking good in these like short bursts. And like, we're not like the aura of Sting isn't being tainted with these appearances. And it's not like we're seeing an old man who just doesn't have the ability to do it. And we're like getting sad about it. Like, no, Sting still looks great. Darby Allen is still one of the best in AEW, I will constantly say. Um, I loved especially where Scor- Sting had the Scorpion Deathlock on, and then Darby just proceeds to jump and hit a coffin drop on the on the apron on Cash Wheeler, and like bro just bounced off of him when he hit it. So Sting gets the tap-out victory for the team. Um, it was a great match. Um I will say FTR has been like great and like they're they they're great heel tag teams and like heel tag teams are being built up to lose. I'm just curious as if because like honest to God, man, it's like now for F for full gear. I just want FTR versus the Lucha Bros for the tag titles. Can we have that? Because I would really like that. Well, let me say this: FTR is the greatest tag team walking God's green earth, and this match further proved it. Uh, 60-year-old Sting, 62-year-old Sting looked great. Not He didn't look great for a 62-year-old. He looked great for a wrestler. Darby Allen's always great. You know I'm on the Darby hype train. I am, I'm not, I'm nowhere near the lead of it. I'm somewhere in the middle to the back because I jumped on really late. But I am on the Darby Allen is amazing train. So, adjective, adjective, adjective about Darby Allen because that dude is just amazing. So, Sting looked great. Cash and Dax did their thing. I thought Dax was especially good in this match. He took a lot of offense, did a lot of the selling, was the guy that ended the tap. But that moment when Darby crashed down on Cash's back, oh, my God, it was great. Understand, and this goes to again, I am not one of those fanboys that need my team to win every time. FTR was amazing tonight. For on Wednesday, they were amazing, and I loved it. And I had no problems with this match. I had no problems with the result. I have a fundamental problem in tag team wrestling, where I think you're building the greatest tag team division ever. I think established tag teams should beat makeshift tag teams. I should think that should be like an AEW calling card. But I get it. It's Sting. It's New York. Great pop. I get why they did it, but yeah, I, I'm still, I'm always going to be established tag team guy. It has nothing to do with FTR versus Sting and Darby or, or whoever they're wrestling. I just think the teams that work together all the time should beat teams that are just kind of thrown together. Sting and Darby have consistently worked together, so I think that is another point against me in this match, but it was a great match. I thought they did everything they were supposed to do. I mean, like, was it a five-star match? No, but I think it was a perfect match for what these two could do. All right, and then the main event was the AEW Women's World Championship match between the world champion, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and for her first, I think this was her, yeah, her first solo match in AEW, Ruby Soho. And this was a a very good, very, very good uh, main event. Um, and I I genuinely thought that 
Ruby Soho would be the one that go out on top, and she would just start straight out with the AEW Women's Champion. We'd kind of get Britt Baker away from the title so she could chase a little bit more. Um, but it was not the case. Uh, Ruby Soho loses against uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. I think, see, I saw I could, I could, saw exactly why I, I was so high on Ruby Riot back in WWE. Because when I saw uh, the Riot Squad wrestle at WrestleMania 37, I th- yeah, 37. When I saw them wrestle at WrestleMania 37, and they were like the o- the only actual women's tag team in the match. I was I was I was locked into them because they were the only tag actual tag team in the mat in the match at Mania. But at the same time, too, it's like they worked so well, and I see I see that in Ruby Soho once again now that she's in AEW and with her going up against Britt. I think this was a good match. Um, I. Gotta make sure I stop distracting myself anytime I see Jamie Hader on screen, but I'll get I'll get to that point. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Britt Baker retains the title. Ruby Soho does not get the win. I don't think this hurts. If people are thinking like, "Oh well, Ruby's dead on arrival," no, we're not even that conversation isn't even a thing. But I will say, I mean, that's a big win for Britt Baker's title run is just taking out the new the newly uh, acquainted Ruby Soho that's like hot off of the debut at All Out. I think that adds to her title reign a ton. So it's not even like the the decision I disagree with. I just thought they were going to go with Ruby Soho, and I was just wrong. And I'm not going to get mad because I was wrong. But I'll get a little butthurt because I, I would, it wouldn't have been cool if I was right. But this was a very strong main event, I think. It's pretty good. But again, I don't think anything was going to top the opening match, though. So that's that's just... That's just all we can say, really. It's just that opening match, man. It's just fucking hell. Uh, this match was very solid. Uh, they worked well together. I think they very much left some things in the tank. I think they got a bigger match at a pay-per-view one day that they'll do. And But I think this was a great but second match for... Uh, uh, Ruby Soho, and I just... Yeah, because Ruby was in the six-woman match, yeah. I believe. Yeah, so I think she has... I think there's more there, and I think there's more depth, and I think it's a feud you can come back to, uh, and it's great. I mean, you know, Britt needed some wins, and, you know, someone that's new to the company that, as she said, been sitting in catering for a year and a half, and believe me, if that didn't kill her career, and people were still yelling her name in Chicago 10 minutes before she came out, I don't yeah, think exactly. losing to the top star in AEW is going to kill her momentum. Not at all. No, yeah. so she it's, didn't. It's she, still... she she didn't lose a match on Dark. You know what I mean? She she yeah, lost exactly. it. She's been here two months and has main evented a dynamite. Yeah, and a dynamite that included. Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. I mean, there's many ways you can look at things, but to even think that, uh, it, it, even think that this somehow buried Ruby Soho, I believe your head's up your ass. I, I, I mean, yes. I'm just gonna flat out say it. Be mad at me if you want. There's no way this killed her. I mean, she's hot. <laughs> I mean, she's hot right now. People love her. And she can either continue with the next person in this feud or she can go somewhere else. I, I, I just think they have something in Ruby Soho. People I like so. her. Uh, people like her. That's the whole thing. People like her right now. Like, yeah. maybe even in a year you can turn her heel, but not in the next 
three to six months because it's almost like Malachi Black. People like the person so much, it's really sometimes hard to boo them. And it's just like, especially when you think, man, you were way more talented than your position dictated where you came from. People really want them seeing in the position. She main evented a dynamite two months into the show. That's her being in the position that a lot of people believe that she should be in. This was a really good match. Definitive win for uh, Britt Baker. DMD, probably the hottest act in AEW right now. I'm talking about, like, that's been here. I'm not talking about the new people getting the new people pop. I'm talking about the hottest act in AEW is Britt Baker. That's why I say there would have been booking malpractice, in my opinion, for her to lose. It's She's got a lot more shirts to sell. <laughs> yes. And that was AEW Dynamite Grand Slam. Like, just an absolutely insane show. And we continue Grand Slam week with AEW Rampage. And we'll just move real quick right into Rampage. That show kicked off with CM Punk's first TV match in over seven years as he went one-on-one with Powerhouse Hobbs and Hook on the side. And I especially love... Uh, the flip middle finger that uh, Punk gave the hook and then proceed to do the little like fish hook move, which he did like that one time when he was uh, cause I love how like now Punk's back and he's there. The old videos of Punk screaming at fans. Like I'm finding those again on YouTube. Uh, like the, the one where he was the one where he was screaming at a fan. You have a vagina. Just finding those old videos kill me. But regardless, Punk is back. In a TV match on t- uh, in pro wrestling, and he's got the trunks back. People that were screaming about the long pants for CM Punk, you got the trunks. And then <laughs> Punk posts on Instagram, people complaining about me possibly bringing back the pants, and he used the goofy "I'll fucking do it again" meme. And it just, I love the way that this man just goes after some fans. Um, this was a great opening match. Um, Punk, Punk really showed like how much he still has left um in the tank with being able to go up against because we saw him wrestle a smaller faster uh more agile wrestler in darby allen at all out but now we actually saw him wrestle a more bigger like like if you want to make a term like i guess superstar sized wrestler in powerhouse hobbs like a lot uh, a lot more of a bigger person that like a lot of times the more agile stuff for the most part, because Powerhouse Hobbs is still very quick, very agile, very athletic, not taking anything away from that. But in those cases, a lot of time, Punk is used to like taking a lot of like leeway in leading the match for that kind of stuff. But this was really good. I mean, we know Punk's experience with wrestling big, hurdy guys, um, and it's not normally great. But these guys did great. Punk, in his interactions with the Team Taz members, has been really good. Powerhouse Hobbs beat the shit out of Punk for like a good like six, like five or six minutes of the match. So Hobbs got a ton of momentum and offense in this match. Uh, Punk did a really, really good job. At one point, he got busted open. I think it was from uh, like one of the tackles that um, Hobbs did. So it was just a nice little image there. Uh, Punk used a little bit of submission work in this match. He uh, then after uh, Hook inadvertently gets knocked down by Powerhouse Hobbs, gets put up, GTS, he goes to sleep. And Taz just like, oh, he got lucky. We had a mishap. But Punk is wrestling on television again. And I love it. And this was my match of the night. Because of course it fucking was. Um, Taz is the most unique manager figure in wrestling right now. Or ever. I've never seen 
a manager or a coach of a team not go to the ring with his opponents? I mean, like well, with Don his. Don Callis will go on on Mike something still. Sometimes, but usually someone you know, and it's just it's just weird because I think Taz kind of started it, and Callis kind of went along with it after, and it's just it's just something unique and a specifically kind of AEW. It's like I am your coach. I am going over film with you. We come up with a game plan, but when it comes to what happens in the ring, hey, that's all you. You know, I'm not jumping in there and choking people out or tripping them. You know, you just wrestle that way. I just, I just think it's unique. I think it's cool. Um, yeah, CM Punk. I mean, I really can't. It's, it's, it's really, really hard to follow you after talking about CM Punk. There, I, I, I try not to. I try to some stuff for you, but I can't stop talking about it. Exactly. It's just like CM Punk's really good. I mean, he's amazing. This match, he, he uh, helped Hobbs step up a level. I think he did bring Hobbs up a level, which is his goal. I brought, think he brings the whole act of Taz up a level just by working with him. I mean, yeah, he's, he's CM Punk. He knows he's but again, a star. Like, think about how many people want to see like Punk versus Hook. Like, yeah. think about that. It's like yeah. you would think like the people that the people would be like leaning towards with Team Taz would be like, oh, maybe we'll like Powerhouse Hobbs, of course, is one of them. But then it's like, oh, Ricky Starks is like one of the guys. Hook is the one that's getting a lot more of like the we want to see Punk wrestle Hook. Well, because Hook is the unknown commodity, and wrestling fans, as you all know, are obsessed with the unknown commodity. They want to see if Hook can go. And they don't want to see if Hook can go on Dark. They want to see if Hook can go with CM Punk. Can you make Hook in one match? Can CM Punk make Hook in one match? That's my answer would be yes, he can. Of course that's what your answer would be. I mean, hey, my answer is we'll see. And it's not because I'm not a CM Punk fan. It's just I've never seen Hook actually wrestle. Yeah. He might suck. <laughs> you know, he might be terrible. I'm not saying he is, but I'm just saying... There, you know, there is a scenario, there is a universe, there is a way where Hook is not very good at wrestling. So, I'm just going to say, we'll see. And I'm excited if they want to do CM Punk and Hook first. I think that would be like one of the best ever first matches ever. I don't want to see him on Dark. I don't want, like they did with Anthony Ogogo, they had him punch people in the stomach a couple of weeks before he got to Cody. And I just like, man, it kind of, to me, it took away the mystique of Anthony Ogogo. It was just like, dude, his first match, he just shows up, he shows up, fucking punches Cody in the face, pins him and walks away. That's, <laughs> that would have been a debut, right? But now it's just like, so we're in the situation where it's like, you got this chance with Hook. And it's just, I hope he's great. Uh, I hope he's great. I hope people, you know, you know, wait and save the energy. But I just like, I don't know if that's the one I want. I'm very much more excited about CM Punk and Ricky Starks. I just think Ricky Starks has been, you know, taken care of and he is, he is the face of Taz's team because he has the FTW belt. Maybe we get CM Punk and Brian Cage versus Team Taz, which will give Brian Cage kind of a rub because I feel like he's kind of a forgotten uh, entity in the AEW. He like came in the building deal. They did the thing with Ricky Starks, and now it's like, does he still work there? Because really, I haven't seen him on TV in weeks. So mm-hmm. there you go. I mean, there's a lot yeah. that can go into this. Any Anybody with Punk is going to be looked at uh, better. 
But uh, yeah, I think Punk should start giving some people on his side the rub. Maybe team up with some people and give them the rub that way. And I think we're going to get to that point, too. I think it's just because Punk's been here only for a short period of time. It's like, if he keeps losing, it's like the thing with Cody. It's like, if he always loses to build up stars, it won't mean anything. So it's the same sort of thing. It's like, he's got to beat some people. And if he's beating heels, like, they can take losses more so than if he's beating baby faces all the time. So, like I said, I think they we're going to get to the point where Punk is genuinely going to be one of the key factors in making a lot of people that aren't massive commodities in AEW make them become that. And um, I will also say, speaking of a go-go, uh, did you see that he's trying to fight Jake Paul? No, Jake Paul would never let that happen. It yeah, just, I would say you probably don't want to do that. I mean, I'm just like, I understand what Jake Paul's doing, and for all the people that enjoy it, definitely – but he's an Olympic boxer. I don't care if you put 18-ounce gloves on him. He's going to knock you out. Yes. No and, fucking question. And, and it won't take long And because he's been wrestling, I mean, fighting his whole life. He's been boxing his whole life. Well, he, if anybody yeah. wanted to see the Jake Paul story get ended, that's the guy who would happen. It would happen against. But I, and I, I, I don't not even, even, Jake's not even going to take that fight. It's just... I don't even think it would be entertaining because he would embarrass him on such a level that you would start feeling bad at Jake Paul for getting the shit have, I beat him. I underestimate how much some people hate the Paul. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, yeah, like, like to me, it's like when you just said that, the reason it works is he fights short old guys. He fights old guys that he has an eight-inch reach advantage on. He's in the best shape of their life, his life. They're literally winding down on shape, and it puts on an entertaining fight. Anthony Gogo is still very much, even with his eye injury, in his prime. So he would murder him. It would yes. not be fun. It would not be pretty. It would be Rocky Four, but this time the good guy would win. Yes, the, and then the bad guy <laughs> would die. But, but anyways, we had a short backstage segment with Thunder Rosa talking about how she's not afraid of Jade Cargill or Nyla Rose. Um, that was just a real quick thing. We then get to, though... The debut of AEW with the Super Click in action. Adam Cole, baby, teaming up once again with the Young Bucks, facing off against Christian Cage and Jurassic Express after what happened on Dynamite in the fallout of the Kenny Omega-Brian Danielson match. The moves in this were all over the place. Um, dude, like we didn't even... I don't even think we saw Adam do a ton in this match. And it was still just insanely fun to see him in the ring with the Bucks again. And like I said, I think out of everybody in that ring, I think he did the least in the match. Because I think they're really doing their best to save Adam Cole with a lot of the stuff. Um, they debuted the t-shirt. They had him in the ring and do the kiss spot once again. But I don't think Cole did a ton of offense in the match. Because most of it was done by like Jurassic Express and Christian and the Bucks. And I think they're really doing a best, like, of course, like, the finish came with uh, the Bucks hitting the BTE trigger and then Cole getting that knee right across the face and getting the pin. But for the most part, he didn't do a ton because I think they're just, he's he's saving a lot for himself, too, when he has his first singles match, which it's really looking like it's going to be Jungle Boy. And I'm just like, let's fucking go. Like, if if you want a money match, that is a money match. 
I mean, yeah, it's absolutely a money match. I I just want to give, I want to keep reminding people how awesome Luchasaurus is. Oh my God, yes. Just don't forget it. I mean, I understand, you know, he's kind of the second in the act with Jungle Boy, but good Lord. He choke slammed a buck onto another buck. I think they could heat him up. I mean, if as long as Miro's champion or whatever, I think they could heat him up for a TNT. I just think that would be a f- hell of a match, Miro versus Luchasaurus. Even though Luchasaurus, wants, yeah, and if you want someone believable to take it off of Miro, I think that's a hundred percent a guy you could go with. Yeah. So uh, Luchasaurus is just, I, I I really thought everybody in this match is great. The Young Bucks are phenomenal. I mean, I mean, we got this greatest tag team of all time conversation talking. You already know where I'm standing. But, I mean, the Young Bucks are 1A. You know what I mean? I mean, they're right there. I mean, the one thing I'll go to Young Bucks is like, they might not be my favorite tag team, but I've never, never not liked a match. I've never come away from the Young Bucks match, any match, any match where it was just like, oh, that was just a match. Their matches are amazing all the time. They understand how to tell a story. So in this match, everybody was amazing. I'm not taking anything from anyone. I just thought when watching it on that first view, I felt like Luchasaurus shined the most in this match. I can 100% agree. Like I said, the spot, just the simple spot of him taking one young buck and choke slamming the other young buck on top of them. Yes. Such a fucking cool spot. And, and then him taking the Panama Sunrise. It's just. Yeah, he was yeah. literally like. The image of like someone on their head just standing straight up, like like yeah. not using their hands, like they're just yes. hiked and their heads going down the floor and they're just standing straight up. That was yeah. him. Yes, I tell people all the time, this this shit's a dance. You know, people don't look good unless the other person helps them look good. You know what I mean? And I just thought both sides, his offense and you know his selling, I thought Luchasaurus was really good in this match. There's a reason why, like, Luchasaurus got some of the biggest responses in the uh, original Casino Battle Royale at the first Double or Nothing. Yeah. No one has ever forgotten how good Luchasaurus is. And I think rewarding him with the TNT title championship run would be fucking great. But you got this match where there's, like, four people that are, like, nuclear over. So it's like, oh, you can kind of, like, forget the giant dinosaur face guy right there. It was like, that dude was awesome. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. We then move on to the men of the year with American top teams, Dan Lambert at their side, facing off against the team of Chris Jericho and Jake. My Hager. favorite segment of the night. All right. Well, this match was once again another good tag match. And uh, the match was ending up uh, finishing off because uh, Jericho was going to go over the top rope. He dove over the top rope and uh, Jake Hager uh, was uh, going to s- slam Scorpio Sky, but then uh, Dan Lambert grabs his leg, gets distracted, then Jake Hager gets rolled up and pinned for the victory. Um, so it was a no- it was a good tag team match, like a, a, a nice kind of calm down, I think, a little bit from the spot fest that was the six-man match that we had just came from. But then we saw Dan Lambert stick his American top team, fellas, and we saw them get physical. We had Junior Dos Santos... Austin Vanderford, Andre Orlovsky, Orlovsky, Dalton Rosta, Jorge Masvidal, and Paige Van Zant all in the ring causing havoc to Jericho and Hager. They just all 
Like Paige was nailing Jericho in the shot in the stomach with body shots. Masvidal got that got a running knee. Like every single one of these MMA people were just going off on Jericho and uh, Jericho and Hager. And now, now Dan Lambert and his American Top Team, like he can literally just call any of his MMA people to just show up and beat up on wrestlers. And like, bro, it's like he's he's formidable. He's not just a loudmouth. He's got a whole slew of fighters at his side. And then like, if you want to get to uh, Scorp- if you would want to get to Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Try getting through uh, Masvidal or Junior Dos Santos. Try getting through those people. Like, good luck. Like, you're not getting. You're gonna have trouble getting through. Like, I, I, I agree. I, I know Floyd's gonna go on with this too. But like, like, oh, Dan Lambert and his American Top Team. Like, they kicked ass in this segment. This was really good. And Jericho and Hager are the perfect guys that can really sell this moment because they're already like. They're already like inner circle members. They've done so much. Like taking this big spot like doesn't hurt them. Like it's and it and it makes it believable too, because Jericho just came off of the massive feud with MJF and Hager's an MMA person. So if he wanted to do anything MMA related, fucking have a fight with any of them. Dude, like all the stuff that happened on this week, I'm like, this was my favorite. I mean, of course, other than Omega. Uh, Danielson match because this made AEW feel like the hot product. You know what I mean? They're already yeah. the hot product, but these people are under contract. Some of these people are under contract with other fight groups. They generally don't allow them to get physically involved uh, when it comes to wrestling with AEW. The reason they allow them to show up and get physically involved because they believe AEW, you know, raises their views that people know who these people are because they're on AEW. AEW's hot, so it gives these people the rub. You know what I mean? Yeah. AEW, six months to a year ago, none of these people get physically involved. Right now? Where it's at? Oh, absolutely. Page Man Sand landing the bunches, uh, punches on uh, Jericho. I mean, I, if I'm Tony. I'm like, I'm giving her a call. I'm like, dude, you sure you don't want to train to wrestle? Because she has the energy about her. You know, she's a ham. You know, and you know how she makes her money mostly. Uh, you know, on the content with Patreons and stuff like that. Wrestling's only going to, you know, build up her profile. Uh, Jorge Masvidal, I knew he wasn't going to do anything. I knew. I just like, he's just there. He's he's all dressed up. He's not going to get involved. He throws yeah, that. Like when we saw yeah. when we saw Amanda Nunez, we were like, yeah. oh, hey, there's like our little like Ronda Rousey-esque like MMA person that's over in AEW to give them a boost. It's like we never thought they would ever get involved in anything like any yeah. of these people like Junior Dos Santos, former UFC heavyweight champion like Kane. Kane Vasquez uh, showed up in WWE and stuff like that. And he got physical. And then like like that, that was a thing. But it's, it's WWE like stuff like that can happen. We didn't think anything like this would happen with AEW. He threw that knee, and I literally jumped out of my chair. And Friday night, my wife's looking at me like I'm effing crazy because I, man, as far as a fighter, 
Jorge Masvidal. I'm a I'm a bit of a fan. I'm not big in the UFC, but yeah, that knockout of Ben Askren, you know, it got me on his side. He the BMF. You know, the rock raises your hand, calls you a BMF. You're always a BMF in my eyes forever. So he threw that knee and it was just like they stood over. It raised the profile of Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page to a completely different level. And I think, I don't know what their plans for going forward. They should go all in. When somebody from American Top Team has a fight and Lambert's there, you know, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky should be there wearing American Top Team gear. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Yes. Like, I mean, like do, go both ways with Yeah, this. do a Men of the Year shirt with the American Top Team logo on the back. Just like uh-huh. go all the way in on it. And eventually when you're breaking them up, you know, Scorpio and Ethan start losing. And Dan Leverett's like, I don't associate with losers. And that's when Dan Leverett's gone. You know, he can do that. I'm like, there's yeah. this whole thing is played out like perfectly over something they didn't plan to happen. It, Dan Lambert actually interviewed and said, I thought I was only going to do one appearance. He thought he'd... he'd he thought it was going to end with Lance, Lance Archer just dropping him. That was how it was going to end. And Tony Khan was like, I love that. Come back. Come back. Come back. And it has turned into this. And Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky very much in a high-profile feud. I don't know where this goes, but I'm looking forward to it. Like some things, and I don't know where it goes. And I'm like, where is this going? This one, I'm like, I'm willing to wait. I'm going to let it play out. Because I'm so into what they're doing right now. Yeah, and it does nothing but good stuff for Scorpio and Ethan, who have already, like, they've been shown in good stuff, like, in their feud with Darby Allen, but, like, like them and all these MMA guys just beat up on Chris Jericho and Jake Hager. They just beat up on, like, Jericho and just ripped him to shreds. And, like, all these MMA guys beat up on MMA fighter Jake Hager. So, like, this does nothing but good stuff for men of the year, I think, so... Yeah, this was great. We we then move on, though. We had an eight-man tag match between the Lucha Bros and Santana and Ortiz. The boys in New York City got a massive pop, and they took off, off took on uh, Mar- Hardy Family Office members, Private Party, and The Butcher and the Blade. The, again, like, another big match of just, like, crazy amounts of moves. Like, there was a point where literally, like, all four members of the Lucha Bros and Santana and Ortiz are diving over the top. It was an awesome image. Um, and the baby faces came out on top and Santana and Ortiz gets a win in New York. Honestly. I mean, like it makes, it makes sense. And like Hardy family office, like they, their feud is kind of elsewhere at this point in time, like with orange Cassidy and stuff like that, which we'll get to. Um, but also like during this match too, we saw that too with, uh, Matt Hardy was going to cut, um, the hair of, I want to say it was Ortiz. I uh, can't remember. He was going to cut somebody's hair. Yeah, he was going to cut Ortiz's hair. Orange Cassidy comes down. He knocks out Jack Evans, who's at ringside. And then uh, Matt Hardy then has to take Jack Evans backstage to check on him. So first off, Matt Hardy's thing for cutting off people's hair, not just Orange Cassidy, is a bit odd. But you know what? I'll, I'll, I, I, I will get behind it. And um, we then w- I'll talk about what we what happened backstage after this match. But the match itself was very good. Like I still uh, prefer the six man match with the uh, Super Click and Jurassic Express and Christian, just because like it it just like everyone in that match was nuclear over. And not saying that nobody in this wasn't, but like again, like multi man matches. Like if I'm gonna get into a multi man match, like the Super Click and Lucha and Jurassic Express and them, like 
that's the crowd's way more into that, I think. But again, the Lucha Bros as tag team champions is amazing. Santana and Ortiz had an amazing reaction in New York City. And Hardy Family Office, like Private Party, still damn good. And Butcher, Butcher, excuse me, Butcher and Blade are still very good. So this was a good, a very good multi-man match. Yes, uh, this was uh, this was a great match. Matt Hardy, I mean, I love the idea that he is so dad and he is so uncool that he wants to do whatever he can to make Orange Cassidy uncool, which one of the things that makes Orange Cassidy cool is his amazing hair. So he wants to chop that shit off so Orange Cassidy's not cool and he loses confidence. And he's even willing to put Jack Evans' hair up, up against him, which I love Jack Evans' hair, but hey, you know what? You know, hair, hair hair's day today. It'll it'll grow back. Uh yeah. Uh but the match was great. I love having Big Butch back. That's a big thing for me. I it was like he I actively m- miss Butcher. The blade without Butcher. It's I mean, it's Butcher and the Blade. It's Butcher and the Blade. You know what I mean? So I like them uh being back together. And um yeah, I just thought this was a very solid match. Uh did everything. Uh, you know, the New York boys got the pin, which is awesome. And, you know, I think this is leading, uh, clearly leading to Proud and Powerful, Santana Ortiz, whatever you want to call them, versus the Lucha Bros. Which will be a fucking awesome match. And hopefully it happens at full gear, because, you know. Yes. We then had the backstage interview immediately following up on this match where Matt Hardy was interviewed uh, after checking up with Jack Evans. And he said, Orange Cassidy is pissing him off. I challenged him to a hair versus hair match. And if you accept, it will be Jack Evans' hair on the line. And he's like, bro, like, what the fuck? Um, So that was a nice little thing. So we're not getting Matt Hardy putting his hair on the line. It's Jack Evans' hair who's getting uh, getting put on the line. So, Jack Evans, you've been set to die. Sorry about that. I mean, like, your, your hair is a little bit nappy and, like, crazy. So, like, I guess just you need a haircut, I guess. So sorry about that. Yes, he's, uh, yeah, going to be super bald. Yes, we then had Sammy Guevara come out with Fuego del Sol trying to do his his typical, like, hey, look at my cue cards, uh, before Miro just walks slowly behind, stands behind them, and then beats the shit out of uh, Fuego and Sammy Guevara and just knocks them off the stage and puts uh, the game he, over on Sammy. He, he chunked Fuego off Fuego the stage. Fuego went flying. I mean, off the stage. I mean, and then, yeah, that was... I feel Sammy, bad for them. I'm sorry, man. I love you, but that's what happens when you touch, uh, I guess, uh, basically, if you touch Miro's Goldie. Like, that's what happens if you touch that. Touch that. It just, you're going to get hurt. But you're, I, I still want you to win the title. So just don't die. Absolutely. Don't die. Don't die. No, no that yes. was, it was great. It built up the Miro versus Sammy feud. Added some juice to it. Also, if you listen to the show, you're probably already doing it. But check out Sammy Glue Vlog, uh, the last minute or two he cuts a promo about everything that has led up to this match for the tnt i think he also put i think he also posted it on instagram too and it was really really freaking good yeah watch the whole vlog support sammy yeah and and, and subscribe to the vlog yes subscribe like all that good stuff it's a it's a great vlog i really do i mean actually a lot of times a lot of episodes have been more entertaining than bte to me i don't think you know they don't care it's all in the family but i'm just saying if you watch bt every week make sure you're watching sammy's vlog yes i still will never get over the time where he tried to rib the young bucks over breaking the uh, bte championship tried to he did it they were like what yeah no i mean like that's the thing though it's like like 
that he did break it and then like oh no the real one's over here yes that was hilarious it's like i cut it in half that was great i was just gonna be like oh i'm joking man i'm just like what the fuck you mean absolutely we then had Anna Jay of the Dark Order facing off against super bad Penelope Ford. And I gotta say, when this match started going on, and like we we ended up getting the spot where um uh uh Penelope Ford gets caught, uh with the referee's distracted, the bunny throws her the knuckle duster and she hits Anna and gets the win. Because the match wasn't too long, it didn't kinda like go for long enough to have a massive opinion on the match. It was fine, I think. But I was kinda like, wow, we're really having Anna lose to Penelope. Oh. I'm like Oh, you brought me, you brought me so much. The theme, I forgot this. I typed this on uh, the ATLE pod or mine uh, Twitter. I don't remember which one. Faces have no friends. The next two segments after Jericho and Hager get beat up is the literally the next segment is Santana and Ortiz that did not come out to help him. Then the segment after that, you come out to help him. All right. And then, Okay, halfway through the match, the uh, bunny comes out. Uh, the no, bunny no, before, but Ty Conti waits till the match is over. Yeah. Oh my! I'm like, I have no hair, and I was ready to pull it out. <laughs> this makes no sense. I'm like, at least say they were getting ready for the match, like the announcers say. I guess it's just a detail that bothers me, but it probably didn't bother other people. But. Just say, hey, they were getting ready for the match and they missed what happened. And have Jericho and Hager get out there and like, dude, what happened? And they kind of tell them or something because they just seem like really shitty friends. Yeah. Well, continuing on what happened after the match. Yeah. No, it's a a complete Floyd thing. I I posted on like every group I'm in. No one has my back. So I know it's a complete, (laughs) it is a complete me thing. It makes no sense to me and me only. Everybody else is just the accepted part of wrestling. I understand. But again, when people ask, why do you always root for heels? Heels always have each other's back. The baby faces do not. But... After after Tay Conti does try to run out after the match is already over and tries to help, she also gets knocked with the uh, brass knuckles. The Hardy family office then proceeds to block off the ring completely, and that's when Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander walk out, and they kind of look at the wall of Hardy family office members and just goes, hang on a minute. And then the Dark Order members walk out of Cole Cabana, uh, John Silver, and um, all and the other, like five, uh, ten and all them, and then, um, when all of them are out, uh, Stu Grayson and Evil Uno eventually just show up at the same time. And then, for a moment, Anna Jay has inadvertently brought the Dark Order back together. And they chase off the Hardy family office. They chase off all of them, and they protect uh, Tay Conti and uh, and Anna Jay. And eventually. Uh, I believe it was uh, Alex Reynolds who offered the hand to shake with Evil Uno to try to just let this go and just reform and be the Dark Order in full together. But Uno walks away as he's not ready to just let things go. And then Stu Grayson falls behind. I think for a moment it looked like he was going to try to get him to turn behind and then just they just ended up walking away again. So Cabana, Silver, Reynolds, 5, and 10 are just left in the ring as the two basically starting members of the Dark Order 
walk away. I know they're not going to do this, and I just want to make this clear. I know they're not going to do this, but I would love for all of them to get together and just elect Anna, the new leader. That would just be awesome. Like, I think she, I think it can do something to elevate her character, and she's all, I think she's pretty good on the mic and pretty good at talking, and she has that angry attitude, and, you know, promote from within inside is what I say. I, I've heard the I've heard the uh, Wyatt rumors. Uh, I've heard those. And I was just like, I just think it would be better. I think the storyline would be better with Anna J. And this is like, I'm not just like overwhelming Anna J fan. If I had a favorite Dark Order member, it would be uh, John Silver. Uh, John Silver and Stu Grayson are my two favorite members. I just think she has that energy. And it's just like to put a woman at the lead of the Dark Order would be pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, like that would be a hell of a, of a thing, right there. And yeah, I'm just but like, but like I said, I'm like being honest with ourselves. Negative one runs the dark order. Negative he one. Kinda, he needs to show up and really like put the fear in God in all of these guys. Exactly. Even if like he picks her, that would be so cool. Whoever that, would, that genuinely eh. would be cool. Yeah, like you're the leader, you know that kind of thing. And it's just like, I I, I love I love the dark order. I love negative one, but I just think. Like, kind of like Cody, they're kind of directionless right now, and they need a direction. It's simply, it's simply just because, like, uh, Hangman took time off. And I think, yeah. like, you know, like, if, if he, Hangman comes back and then he officially becomes the leader of the Dark Order, I think that would be cool. Absolutely. Um, they're the hottest act in wrestling if he does that. Yeah, but at, as of this, this time when he's not there and he's taking time off, like, yes, the Dark Order's kind of just been left directionless because, like, their whole direction was going along with Hangman. And yeah. then, like, now that that's kind of stopped because of him being away, like, yeah, they just kind of had put this together of them having issues while Hangman hasn't been there to be kind of the glue. To and it's a together. perfect storyline if Hangman is what brings them together. That's the perfect storyline. Uh, I still, like, I, st- I, can- I will never get over that entrance, those entrances when they yes. went five on five. It was, to, to me, the best entrance you know, other than CM Punk walking down, which he didn't really need any special fanfare. He was just CM Punk. But other than that one, I think that one's been the best entrance this year. Yes. We then finished things out with the lights out match between Mad King, Eddie Kingston, and John Moxley versus Suzuki Goon with Minoru Suzuki and Murderhawk Monster Lance Archer. First off, I got to mention, it's a little nitpick. The lights going off was a bit of an issue, it seemed like, to, like, because normally it just stays black for like five seconds and then we come back. It was kind of like on, off. On, off. On, off. I was just like, someone's got to make sure those lights actually stay off so that way it me- makes more sense for the whole lights off angle. Regardless, um, this was a good closing match, honestly. I thought um, like they really let Suzuki Goon beat up on... Eddie and John for a majority of the match, which then led to when, especially when Eddie came back to life and really helped bring things back a little bit um, with Eddie being in New York too. Like he was going off and the crowd was loving it. Um, the trash can Lynn was brought, lid was brought in. These guys were beating the shit out of each other. Kingston went through a table. Um, eventually Eddie's about to get slammed onto two chairs and fucking homicide shows up. That was, like, the last person I thought would show up. Like, yes, he's a New York wrestler. I did not expect to see Homicide come through the crowd and then free John Moxley and then be- proceed to beat up on uh, Suzuki and uh, 
uh, and Lance Archer. And then proceed. And that, the match finishes with Kingston literally putting Lance in the trash can, taking a kendo stick, and just hitting it over and over and over and over and over again. And that's the finish. Like, uh, like, hey, it makes sense. He basically won by KO for talking 2K rules. And the match, fin- the show finishes with Homicide, Moxley, and Kingston in the middle of the ring in New York City. Which, hey, considering that that's the closing moment of of, of Grand Slam, and I mean, like, Dynamite's going to be taking place in Rochester. We're still going to be in New York for this week's uh, Dynamite. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a good, a damn good way to just be like, hey, AEW's in New York. Here's Homicide. Because, like, what the fuck? I just it literally blew me away. I'm like, why? What is fucking homicide doing here, dude? But- this match was a fight. It was violent. I loved it. Uh, Minoru Suzuki being on my TV is like my favorite thing. Uh, like some of the fans didn't get to him, but when he took the slap and laughed at him, you can t- tell that everybody got behind him. It was such yep. a good uh, strike exchange. Uh, man, homicide. And just like everybody in New York knew the fuck homicide was. All you had to do was put up homicide on the, fo- on the uh, ramp and everybody went crazy. It was a great moment. It was how you ended that show. I, I'm telling you, like, I imagine these fans were still excited. And this match was recorded on Wednesday after they had already had two hours of dynamite. They did had another hour and a half, two hours of wrestling. And this crowd felt as hot at the beginning of the show as they did at the end. Uh, I commend everybody that was in that crowd in Queens. I am so jealous I wasn't there. I, uh, I'm, I'm so happy that the fans came to support and show out AEW. Uh, even, even Jim Cornette, who I do not bring up his name on the show very often for obvious reasons, said AEW looked like a major production. Yeah, and I think I, I yeah, I, mean, I think I think his like brain and heart burned a little bit saying those words. And I think like just the fact, like I said, like like without like like it, there's really no other way to say it. Like pro wrestling came back to New York City, like just like the just saying that like a twenty thousand person venue was sold out in New York City for a wrestling promotion. That wasn't WWE. Just that thought alone is insanity. Like, yes, we had um, the MSG show with um, Supercard of the Supercard show with uh, New Japan and Ring of Honor. Yes, of course. Like that was insanity when that happened too, and no, nothing taking away from that show either because that was huge too when it happened. But I mean, like this wasn't even MSG, and it's so, and it was still sold out in New York, and it was AEW. Like that's just massive. Absolutely. 20,000 people. Uh, Little ratings talk. Tony Khan, thank you. Uh, Thank you, wrestling fans, who helped make AEW Dynamite the number one show on cable last Wednesday for a fifth straight week. Uh, AEW Rampage, the number one show on cable uh, on Friday for the first hour and number four for the second hour. Uh, basically, he just said dynamite's back tomorrow. Accordingly, I'll address you all again at midnight. But number one show on Wednesday and Friday, you literally can't ask for anything more out of dynamite. Uh, I kept saying it was going to be two million. The reason I said it was going to be two million, I'm not. I mean, I was wrong. I want to say that first. But the reason I said it was going to be two million, I did not take into fact that new TV started last week. I just didn't. 
I just, I was so in my AEW world, I didn't even think about the fact that the Mass Singer and all the new Wednesday shows would be back. You know, yes. people, you know, people like their shows. Don't get me wrong. And a lot of times, a lot of times, if you're not on Twitter and social media, you can easily record uh, record uh, AEW and just watch it later. I'm that way with TV shows. I don't really follow any TV shows on Twitter, you know, like at all. So I don't ever have to be worried about being spoiled when I don't DVR something. I can just watch it later and it's not that big a deal. But I live such in the wrestling world. If I'm even 30 minutes behind, I generally know what's going to happen on the next 30 minutes unless I just like close out of social media. Yes. But that was AEW Rampage fully wrapping up AEW Grand Slam week. What a week it was, really. I think it really did lead live up to the hype that was um, AEW uh, Grand Slam that they were building with everything that was put on that card, like when it was just announcement after announcement after announcement. Like I think it really did live up to it. But we've still got a little bit of preview to talk about before we close things out. Let's just really quickly go to our preview for AEW Dynamite taking place as we're recording this tomorrow in Rochester, New York. We have Matt Seidel and Dante Martin facing off against Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson in tag team action. We have Jungle Boy and Adam Cole going at it in one on in a one on one match, which is going to be insanity. Penelope Ford and the Bunny will be teaming up against uh, TJ, Anna J, and Tay Conti, and the TNT title match will be taking place between Miro and Sammy Guevara. Yes, um, when it comes to this one, I'm very excited about the Cody match because. It just seems random. Like, this is a random... Uh, it's Cody Rose and Lee Johnson. Uh, I didn't put it on the yes. notes, but... Uh, I, I, I announced it, yeah. So. Yeah, so, no, uh, I just read I just read that I didn't put it on there. And it just seems like such a random tag match that has nothing to do with anything. And I just, you know, Cody might snap. Adam Cole and Jungle Boy. Uh, I don't know. Them and Miro versus Sammy G... They're going to be battling for a match of the night. It looks like they're going to add at least one or two matches before the end of the show. But the question I came up with, what do you think they will do to celebrate Brody Lee? Sir, do you have any wild speculation? I love wild speculation. You can be wrong. Just throw something out there. I figured that they would probably um, put up a video package, honestly. I think I just assumed that like maybe just to either open up the show or in the middle of the show we just do another we do a video package um and then like maybe for the uh tj match since uh anna jay and Ta- like tay conti's technically a member of the dark order even though she's not really like involved with it because she's friends with uh anna jay um i think it would be cool to have like negative one announce tj to the ring that, okay those are cool those are cool um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm big on, I, 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 for some reason, some reason in Rochester, I think it's the appropriate place. Again, wild speculation. This comes from nothing. This is only from my fantasy booking. Hangman comes back tomorrow night. That, I mean, that would be huge. That would be fucking huge. Like the bunny and Penelope Ford. 
you know, HOF comes out, Dark Order comes up, they start infighting, and then you hear the cowboy music hit real hard, and Hangman comes to right the ship. Or, or, the- or, or literally, they could have a segment of Kenny Omega just screaming like, I don't want to rematch, I don't want to rematch with Brian Danielson. We're going to have I, I, anybody else, anybody else who wants to face me. I'll even put my title on the line. Anybody else who wants to face me. Come down to the ring and let's make this happen. That's when Hangman would show up. Oh, you know, either way, I just think Hangman's coming back tomorrow based on nothing. I want to, I want everybody to know that. I'm clarifying. This is based on nothing. I heard nothing, read nothing. He hasn't posted on social media. Yeah. Wild, 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 wild speculation. If it happens, I'm right and I'm a genius. Okay. If it doesn't happen, we never talk. <laughs> about it. Again, because it was wild speculation based on nothing, of course. Uh, but yeah, I'm very excited about the show tomorrow. So I, I call it right now. Sammy G, new TNT champion or not? I'm going to say I want it to happen. I don't think it'll happen, but I want it to happen. So to put my to put my utmost faith in my boy Sammy, who I think is a genuine, like just fucking awesome dude. Um, I will say my 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 support is 100% 100% behind Sammy Guevara. He will be the new TNT champion. Let's fucking go, Spanish God. I completely agree. I, I left for the dramatic pause there. I completely agree. I think. We're going to get the Spanish guy is going to be the Spanish champ, the homemade champion after Darby Allen. I just think it's time. Uh, Sammy Guevara, I would have loved for it to be in Texas, but not every big moment can happen in the person's hometown. I think <coughs> I think in Rochester, home of the greatest TNT champion of all time, according to AEW, Sammy Guevara becomes the new TNT champion. Yes. But that is our preview for AEW Dynamite Rochester. We've got a couple of news and notes uh, that we want to cover before we close out the show. I'll actually take this one because this was one that was reported for the longest time, but it's just been announced like officially. Dynamite is going to be officially moving to TBS. Rampage will be the show that will be sticking on TNT. Um, I think the move is said to go in January, I think was when they said, or was that not... Or have they not given a date? I think they, just... they said... Cause, okay, I had to make sure it was a Wednesday. January 5th will be the first show on TBS. That's what I thought. Okay, so, yeah. I, I'm i interested to see how much of the fan base changes, um, like how much of the viewership changes when it moves to TBS. Um, it's just, I, I, I truly didn't think that the move would happen. And if it did, I kind of figured Rampage would be the show that would be on TBS. It was just kind of my thought process behind it. They are, rega- they're moving so they don't get preempted. It's just that simple. Yes. I know exactly. They don't want to get preempted with NBA being back. They don't want to have that, the playoffs get in the way of it. So that way they don't have to keep switching for Saturday night dynamite or, or, uh, like, like, yeah, exactly. They just don't want to get prelim. So. Yeah, it's it makes all the sense in the world. Um, I don't think the viewership's going to hurt though from the jump from the change to stations. If anything, it might be boosted because I don't know. Maybe more people watch TBS or something. I mean, on Directv, it's only two channels away, <laughs> so exactly. it's like so it's like, not like it's hard to find. Yes, um, 
Uh, September 29th, Dynamite in, in Rochester, which is tomorrow, so this is not going to help you. Uh, we were going to record the show yesterday, so it might have helped. You're going to need proof of vaccination. No photocopies. You're going to need that, you know, the accepted actual proof. November 10th, Dynamite, Indiana State Fair at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. Uh, and then Full Gear is officially announced at the Target Center in Minneapolis on November 13th. Tick, the official date for tickets for both of these shows is Friday, October 1st. The pre-sale for uh, Full Gear started today and tomorrow, 28th and 29th. I believe the pre-sale for Indiana, Indianapolis is the normal date, which is Thursday, uh, Thursday the 30th. So I just wanted to put that all together for people looking for tickets. And this we wouldn't have had yesterday. So I'm kind of glad we waited. Announced on AEW Dark. Tonight, Kira Hogan has signed with AEW. It was announced by Excalibur. It's weird because you you usually get the graphic, right? Yeah. You usually get something. And I literally had to check with One Nation Radio's Rich Lotta. I'm like, had they announced it and I just missed it? He's like, nope. And I was like... Well, they just announced it on Dark, and I was literally, I think, I think I was one of the first people to tweet it out. Like, I don't think, like, it caught on. It, it was a throwaway line. Congre you know, like, man, that was a big signing for uh, Kira signing with AEW, and then they just went on to the match. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, like, weird. It was, like, as weirdly nonchalant I've ever heard a signing uh, announced, so... Shout out to Kira Hogan. Congratulations. I really loved her tag team. Uh, I, I really loved her tag team and um, uh, Impact, uh, Fire and Flavor. I really loved it. I thought she was, I always liked her. I like her energy when she's cutting promos. So I think she adds something different to the women's division because even though she's a good wrestler, she's kind of a promo person, which. You know, you don't have a lot of those in the division, and I think she'll kill it doing that. And that's on Parrot. Yes. I think that's I think that's the thing. Is that the thing she says, right? Something along the lines. The, of that. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's a period <laughs> with a T on the end. I don't like. <laughs> I like. Yeah, but it's yeah. That's what it is. Congratulations to here, Kira. Yes, massive congrats. Nice little nice addition to the women's division. I think she'll do very well. But that is going to do it for all things elite this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Sorry we were a little late, but we've still got the episode coming to you. And um, when this comes out, yeah, enjoy AEW Dynamite tonight. Make sure you guys continue to download this show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on any other platforms like Spotify or anything, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. Leave a rating, a review. Give us a donation through Red Circle if you're so uh, inclined to. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Check out all their other shows on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And with that out of the way and everything done, I will now let Floyd take us home on this episode of All Things Elite. Yes, this week we celebrate the two-year anniversary of AEW Dynamite. I was fortunate enough to be at that first show, uh, and it was great. And I didn't, I didn't know what it was going to look like two years later, but it's done nothing but grow. So we celebrate AEW. I did put out a tweet early this week asking for your top five matches in Dynamite history. If anybody want to throw that out there, uh, I'm going to kind of do a special 
like 30 minute episode. It might be even be YouTube only uh, where I just talk about some of the biggest matches over the next two years. And you literally just go over the list of the ones I've been sent from friends of their top five matches and just kind of just celebrate dynamite. I mean, with it be kind of being the two year anniversary show, they might do that next week, you know, because that'll be after the two year anniversary. Uh, but with it being a two year anniversary show, I just think, you know, we should do acknowledge some of the great matches that happen right now. I can just tell you ahead in the lead is Omega versus Danielson from last week. It's just too fresh on everyone's mind, but I think there's a lot of good matches out there and it's going to be, I'm going to look forward to talking about them. So with that, uh, for our super successful silky smooth voice, Austin Summerwitz, this is Floyd Johnson saying, whether you're at home, work or school, always do your best to be elite.